What's up, everybody? Jimmy Smith on today's Unlocking the Cage podcast. I discuss the future for Paulo Costa after his debacle at UFC Vegas 41. Should Nate Diaz stay with the UFC after his contract runs out? I'll talk about that as well. And the public back and forth between Kayla Harrison and Uncle Dana White. The future for Paulo Costa. There is, I hate lip service. If you haven't noticed, the conversation we had before about Junior Dos Santos being cut from UFC and he wanted some personal interaction. He didn't want to be cut by text, okay? My point is I would rather be cut by text or email or something. I don't need the lip service. Uh, I know it's a business, you know. I, I don't need somebody calling me and saying, oh, we're sorry, it's you know, it's not you, it's us, and we wish you good luck. I, don't, I hate that stuff, okay? In that similar vein, when it comes to contrition, when it comes to I was wrong and I'm sorry, I don't like lip service. I want you to mean it. Don't say it if you don't mean it. But in order for me to understand that you've moved on and can be better, you have to acknowledge what you did wrong. I know that's getting a little deep right here, but it's true. Paulo Costa, much like, oh, John Jones, Conor McGregor as well. That idea that I, di- I didn't make weight, that's on me, and I'm sorry. Those words never came out of his lips. Paulo Costa put it on everyone else. Now we say he had a bicep tear, which, as Marvin Vittori pointed out, is kind of ridiculous. You can still run with a bicep tear. You can still do your sauna work with a bicep tear. You can still ride a bike with a bicep tear. All the stuff you needed to do to lose weight, you could have done it with a bicep tear, and you didn't. So, Paulo Costa has said some in, some stupid, irresponsible things, and this is one of them. This is from the post-fight interview, UFC Vegas 41, about making 185. If you are driving, don't laugh and wreck your car. Go ahead. Cold fight uh, 205, but a cold fight uh, 185 as well. So I think it's better to me come back to my way to 185, look for the belt, and after that, move. I, I can fight on 205 anytime, but if I can make 185, why not? You, you just answered your question. You can't make one. If, that's why not. That's why not. You can't make 185. You tried. You didn't make it. Oh, we're going to put it, put you in another main event? No, it'd be stupid. So you answered, oh, why not? Because you didn't make weight, Paulo. I don't, I don't know how else to tell you. You not acknowledging there's a problem is the problem. So this is Dana White, whose opinion matters a little bit more, discussing the weight miss at the post-fight presser uh, for UFC Vegas 41. Check it out. He's a light heavyweight. I mean, you guys saw him tonight. He's massive, you know? And, and, and the thing that stood out the most for me, is, as big as he is, look at the cardio that he had tonight. That was a fucking dogfight. That was a war between two guys who both really wanted to win. And in the fifth round, he came out and went after Vittori. 
the kicks that he threw to the body, the body shots, the head shots, the head kicks. I mean, he tried to finish the fight in the fifth round. He was in shape. It's not like the guy showed up in, in shape. The guy has lost his mind and, you know, <clears throat> wasn't training for this fight and just showed up and was overweight. He obviously trained. I don't know. He can't make 85. I mean, it just goes to show you that he cannot make 185 pounds. It's a very good point. It's a very good point. If he were out of shape and just schlubby, and that's why he didn't make 185, okay. But we all saw the fight. It was a good fight. He was powerful. He fought hard late, to Dana White's point. So he clearly was in shape and yet couldn't make 185 pounds. That says a lot. Even you in shape were 20 pounds over the limit. 20 pounds over, and you were in pretty good shape. That's insanity. That's absolute insanity. So, yes, he should be a 205-pounder. But he told Megan O'Leary, that's Paulo Costa, that 185 is his division. This is what Dana White had to say to that fantasy. I think he landed at 218 when he got here. He just said to Megan O'Leary, 185 is his division. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> I promise you it's not. That's it. That's it. The question was, would Dana White take a risk on Paulo Costa at 185 pounds for a title run? We do not trust you at 185. We don't think you can make 185. You can't do it. Forget it. You are a 205. You are now a light heavyweight. Congratulations. He couldn't beat a 185 Marvin Vittori. Now, Marvin Vittori is top shelf. Let, let me get a little comparison here. I want everyone to understand the math. All right? KOB, let me know if you stay with me here. He couldn't defeat a, 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 a top 85er. He is a top 85er. 100%. Got to give him that. He could not beat a top 185er despite being basically a 205er fighting in the light heavyweight division. He couldn't beat a top flight 185er. You saw what Jan Blahovich did to the best 185er in the world, a guy who may, when it's all said and done, be the greatest 185-pounder of all time, and Jan Blahovich manhandled his ass. So you're telling me, MMA math doesn't always work, but in this case, Paulo Costa, who could not defeat a top-flight 185er, who didn't know the fight was going to be at 205 until a couple days before, couldn't beat that guy, but you're going to make a dent in a division with guys like Yuri Prochaka, Jan Blahovich, Dominic Reyes. Bro, you think you're big, you think you're solid, you think you hit hard? No, you don't. No, you don't. Those guys are big. Those guys hit hard. Those guys, you lock up with them, and you realize really quick the difference between 185 and 205. KOB, you were a wrestler like me. You wrestle guys at 52 and 45, you feel that damn difference. You, know, you were the same as me. You were like between 52, 45. And 45. It could be a 52 wrestle 160 or a 171. You'll feel the difference. You, you'll feel the difference, right? It's like, holy God, it's a different world, man. And that's five, seven pounds. In the striking world, it's a little different. There's a reason why Roy Jones Jr. won a title at heavyweight. Dude has unnatural speed. Ain't going to save you in the grappling world. 
So that's the thing. When I look at it right now, I don't see that that I, I don't see two things. Number one, all of the physical advantages for uh Paulo Costa go away at two oh five. What are his advantages? He's big. Yeah, they're all big. He's explosive. There are plenty of explosive 205 pounders out there right now. He's a hard hitter. Plenty of guys at 205 hit harder. Everything he does well is suddenly gone. And when I look at the top 10, you have your champions, Jan Blahovic. Number one is, of course, Glover Teixeira. They'll be getting it on very, very soon. Yuri Prochaka. Alexander Rakic at third. Anthony Smith at four. Thiago Santos at five. Dominic Reyes at six. Magomed Ankalaev at seven. Volkan Uzdemir at eight. Who does he have a decent fight against of all those guys? Tiago Santos hasn't looked great. It could be Tiago Santos. Once again, another puffed-up 85-er. I don't think he beats Anthony Smith. Uh, I don't think he beats Dominic Reyes. That guy's just way too big for him. He doesn't beat Rakic. He doesn't beat Yuri Prochatka. Doesn't beat Glover Teixeira or Jan Blahovic. I don't see that entryway into the top 10 where there's this way he can get in and do damage at 205. I don't see it. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Dana White had some words about Nate Diaz, because Nate Diaz, uh, if you do not know, Dana White was asked about it at the uh, when he was on TSN with Aaron Bronstetter about Nate Diaz having one fight left on his deal. Now, usually, let me give you a little background here. Generally, they don't let you get to one fight if they want you. They go to you and they go, hey, how would you like to sign a three-fight deal, four-fight deal, or however many fight deal? So that you never kind of test free agency out. Uh, if you are a Nate Diaz, you can hold out and fight out your contract and see what free agency can do for you. You can do that. A lot of people who don't have the drawing power, as they say, of Nate Diaz can't do that. They can't. They can't really afford to. So Nate's in a very unique position here. One fight left on his deal, which is... Almost unheard of. So, Aaron Bronstetter asked about the one fight left on Nate Diaz's deal, and this is what Dana White had to say. Well, that's up to him. I mean, that, that's a decision he needs to make. Listen, for a lot of these guys, th th there's no secret about it. If you believe that you are one of the best in the world, and you believe that you can win a world title here or hang with the top five, then this is where you should be. The minute you start doubting that that's the case, you got to start looking at other options. <laughs> I love how Dana says that. Like, hey, look, you know, look, reading between the lines here, if he leaves, he's scared. Oh, if you know, if he doesn't believe he can hang with the best, well, other options out there. Now, I have my own belief about whether or not Nate Diaz can hang with the best. But this is a guy you've put in prime positions over and over and over again. You believe he has value. 
whether he wins or not. You know that. But he's setting up the narrative, which is always the narrative for people who leave the UFC, which is he's scared. He's leaving because he's terrified. Not because I don't want to pay him, not because I mean this stuff, because he is afraid. That is why. And as long as you have that narrative, in a sense, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be picked up by other people. It's going to be parroted by other people. And that's what Dana does. People who leave the UFC, it's because they're afraid of taking on the big boys. They don't think they can hack it anymore and all this stuff. He's preparing that. Uh, he's laying that, 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 that groundwork, which I understand. I would, too, if I were Dana White. You want the public perception to be that this is where the best are, and anyone who isn't here isn't, therefore, the best. And that's it. So he's definitely doing the right thing. Um, so Junior Dos Santos uh, had some complaints about the UFC and how he was treated, how he was treated, and blah 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 blah. What did what did Dana White say about that when asked by Aaron Bronstetter? So Junior Dos Santos said some stuff the other day that you know uh, that he was upset, and I was all about money and all of a sudden the way that he left. Listen, how old is he? I mean, I mean, he's in his forties now. He was on a four or five fight losing streak. And, you know, they're just this, this, there comes a time in a day where I have to make a decision when a guy keeps losing and he's at a certain age, this just isn't the place to be anymore. There's tons of other places where you can go fight and where you can make a lot of money. I don't disagree with him at all on that one. I don't. Yeah, Junior Dos Santos can complain and Dana White's about this and Dana White's about that. He got plenty of opportunities to stay in the heavyweight division in the UFC. He was too old and he wasn't winning. All right, when you have that together, I, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. So I don't believe that Junior Dos Santos Junior Dos Santos's criticisms were warranted. Now he's allowed to have his his you know his feelings about anything, but to criticize Dana White after you were you know released from the UFC, I I don't get that. I don't get that at all. It, it just seems a little weird to me. Um, he clearly wasn't able to compete with the best, and that's it. Uh, what he said, by the way, and this is just a part of it. What I'm looking at is BJPenn.com. The UFC didn't even talk to me. For example, Dana White, I haven't talked to him in years. Not to ask anything or know anything. They didn't even talk to me. Uh, they texted Dan Lambert, American Top Team, and it got to me that their decision was to release me from my contract. I reacted with surprise. I was a little bit impressed by the coldness of how they treated the case. I know it's business, but they just don't care. The history we we uh, we did in there and everything else, the dedication, how everything was just played out, was totally disregarded. They were really unprofessional. Let's put it this way. With the way they treated me, like they treat everyone else, I wasn't the first and I won't be the last. The last two fights I got were on those terms. You take it or you're out. <sighs> All right, I'm weird. I will admit that 100%. I'm weird. I hate the, I don't know, the attempt to make something like that personal would just bug me. If you don't want me, fine. Text me or text somebody out, whatever. Send me an email. Your services are no longer required, and that's it. Are they supposed to call and go, hey, look, Junior, here's what's going on, man. It's not you, it's me. 
It's just I feel that I don't need that. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, like that would just piss me off personally. I don't mind if there's a business reason. You know, it sucks, right, to be let go by anybody. And I was let go by the UFC. The call they gave me just pissed me off. It just bugged me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't like that. Like, how personal do you want to pretend to be with me? I don't. I know it's a business relationship, not a personal relationship. So any attempt to make it personal would just irritate me. Am I alone there, KOB? With that whole like call and here's the deal and here's why would like I you don't have to tell me in that stuff. It just it would just irritate me. Am I alone I'm there? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand the uh, the point you're making. My, my point is, Junior Dos Santos is upset that they did it in an impersonal way, releasing him. Right? They texted mm-hmm. Dan Lambert, said they're not. You know, they're not. They're releasing me or they're not renewing my contract. I don't know what stage of his contract he was in. And he's complaining it wasn't personal enough. If you called me to explain why you're not renewing my contract or why you're cutting me, that just irritates me. I would rather you just – I don't need the, like, it's not you, it's me. I don't need the pity call. You know, get what I'm saying? That would just annoy me. See, I imagine it's case by case. Because like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the usual business practice is in that favor. But it's like if Dan Lambert was handling all your stuff, maybe they just went to Dan Lambert and didn't bother talking yeah, to you. Yeah. If, if, if they, if they're reaching out to you for certain opportunities, yeah, maybe I could see you wanting to speak to the boss or speak to people in charge and just say like, hey, you know, give me one more, give me one more, and do your whole spiel. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know. For all I know, everything used to go through Dan Lambert, so That's can't complain weird. later on. It's a little strange. Yeah, I don't see why he's complaining. But <laughs> getting fired is getting fired at the end of the, end yeah, of the day. So. <laughs> exactly. At the end of the day, getting fired is getting fired. So whether or not you sugarcoat it and, oh, boy, it was great having you here and we wish you the best. I, yeah, I don't care about any of that stuff. Just fire me, okay? Marissa, if you're listening, just take notes. Anyway, so this is what he says about Nate and where Nate is right now. And I assume he means somewhat psychologically. Here it is. I mean, a lot of these guys... Uh, you know, once they've built and established their name here, move on to these other promotions and make crazy money. Um, and good for them. And, you know, that's just how it works. So I don't know, as far as Nate Diaz goes, I don't know where Nate feels he is right now and, and, and what he feels his future could be if he signed another four or five fight deal here. Dana in this instance is 100% correct. You can make your name here and go make bank somewhere else. Bank. And I'm not saying you'll have easier fights, but they can give you easier fights. Bellator has really paved the road for certain guys. Benson Anderson went in there and said, I want to take on the best right now. And he got his ass kicked a lot. But if you look at other guys they've signed, they've given them a nice mellow road for a little bit. Come in, make some money, and then we'll ramp you up and think about titles. Look, here's what I think. Why do let me break this down a little bit? Why do people sign with the UFC? Why do people stay in the UFC? A big part of it is I want to be number one. I want the title. So, oh, it isn't about money. It's about trying to be number one. It is about money. It's about this. Not about money. It's about that. Nate doesn't need anything at this point but money. He will never in the UFC. Fight for a title at 55 or 70. He can talk about being number one and talk about being undefeated and talk about all stuff. He'll never get those things. The biggest money fight he could possibly get in the UFC is Conor McGregor 
And given Conor McGregor's odd-ass behavior, his legal trouble and all that stuff, I wouldn't bank on that. I wouldn't take an inferior deal from the UFC with the hope of, hey, sometime you might fight Conor and make a ton of money and all this stuff. I wouldn't do that. I would literally go, hey, whoever pays me the most money, think like Kelly Murphy. Think like Kelly Murphy. I love money. I want all the money I can get. That is all I care about in life. Kelly, am I even sla- I mean, even exaggerating? Not at all. If anything, you're underdoing it. Right, exactly, exactly. So that's how, that's how he's got to think. Money, 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 money. That's it. Because I want to be number one. You're never going to be number one, Nate. <laughs> you're unranked at 55 and 70. Okay? You're a win-some, lose-some guy. You're incredibly entertaining. People love watching you fight. You'll always draw a top dollar, so get the top dollar. Go out there, see who gives you the most cash, and take it. Whether it's Bellator, the UFC, whoever it is, most money right now. Because I would not bank on a Conor fight somewhere off in the future. And uh, I wouldn't bank on you ever getting a title shot at 55 or 70. You've been getting main events in the UFC. You've been getting high-profile main cards in the UFC. But... Your days of of perhaps being number one are over. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about Dana White's opinion about various things. And, of course, he had opinion about someone other than Nate Diaz who might soon be a free agent. Oh, and by the way, she's fighting tomorrow against Taylor Guardado in the PFL League. That's right, October 27th. Um, It's going to be an interesting one. But Kayla Harrison is one of those where we look at the 145-pound field and we see a massive desert of talent in both the UFC and Bellator. Now, the UFC has, of course, Amanda Nunes. Bellator has Cyborg. They don't have anyone for them to fight. So Kayla Harrison, who has been running roughshod over the division uh, so far in her tenure in the PFL, uh, there just isn't anybody else that can challenge those two ladies outside of Kayla Harrison. So when it came to free agency... There was a lot of talk about, well, I, I believe this season's her last one, um, but she's soon to be a free agent. And this is what Dana White, who will need an opponent at some point, or if it's not Amanda Nunez, you need somebody to carry the mantle at 145 if you want to keep it going in the UFC. This is what he had to say with Aaron Brodstetter on TSN about Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison's a great example. They pay her an obscene amount of money to fight over there. If I was her, I'd stay right where she is and keep picking off the people over here. When you come here, (laughs) you know, Amanda Nunes is no joke. Shevchenko is no joke. Rose Namajunas is no joke. These are all the best women in the world. These are the best female fighters in the world. You know, I would, I don't blame her. I would stay there and keep fighting the type of women she's fighting there before I would come here and fight an Amanda Nunes. That's for damn sure. 
that's that's nonsensical in, in in a certain regard, where he names off a bunch of women other than Amanda Nunes. She beats all those people. Maybe Shevchenko beats her. There's just a huge size disparity. Kayla's, Kayla Harrison is huge. She's huge. She's a big 45er, let alone 25, 35, 15. We're not talking about the same league of uh, body at all. So the only person she could fight is Amanda Nunes, realistically. So you should stay over there. Dana, you have no one for Amanda Nunes to fight. No one. Outside of Chevchenko, who she's already beaten twice. It could be they're trying to set that one up. Uh, reading b- between the lines, before I get to how Kayla Harrison responded to this, reading between the lines, here's what I see. I see that he doesn't want to keep the 145-pound division. Because if you want anything to do with this division, you have to have people like Kayla Harrison. You Okay, we got to keep this thing going. We need Kayla Harrison. Or we'd like to have Kayla Harrison. You don't need her, but you'd like to have her. And so the idea that we don't need her at all and she's better off over there and our talent here is so much better, you couldn't na- Kelly, not to embarrass you, name three other 145-pounders right now that consistently fight 145 pounds. Well, does Amanda even count? Because she's not consistent. Yeah, right. Like, does the champ even count? Norma Dumont, I guess. I guess Holly Holm, although she bounces around all the time. Uh, Jermaine Duranamy has. I mean, like, it's, it's... It's hard to name anyone that's consistently Anybody, right? I, we yeah. can name people who went up there, who sure. did stuff there. We can't name people who stayed there. Megan Anderson doesn't fight in the UFC anymore. Uh, right? I can't... It's my job, and I couldn't name three. It's insane. And yet you don't need Kayla Harrison? You don't want Kayla Harrison. You are disrespecting Kayla Harrison. To me, it says we're getting rid of 145 anyway. That's what it says to me. It's not worth KOB. You just nodded. Does that not? Is that not the vibe you're getting without him saying it? That's long been what I suspected because you would think, and I know obviously this is all business and he can't make it seem like, oh, yeah, we have to get Kayla Harrison. We have to get her here. Like, you can't make those claims right now. But he could say, hey, you know. Well, you know, she'd give us a call. You know, whatever. Like, you know, you could play coy with it. But I have long suspected that, like, they only kept the 45-pound division around because Amanda – so they could say we got double champ Amanda Nunes in the UFC. I think once Amanda Nunes either loses that belt or retires with that belt, that's the end of the division. And then what do you do with Kayla Harrison? You have the same problem with Kayla Harrison in the UFC of who do we feed to this person. Exactly. So to me it says a a, a lack of interest in the 145-pound division. So Kayla Harrison – uh, PFL Media Day, this is courtesy of MMA Junkie. This is what you had to say about Dana White and his comments. Thanks for the advice, Uncle Dana. Appreciate you. My job is to focus on October 27th. I, uh, I really don't care what other people have to say about me or my career or my choices or my options. I'm going to do what's best for me, and that's it. Good deal. That's what she's supposed to do. She has a fight coming up. Might as well stay focused on that, right? That is tomorrow. She's in the PFL. Uh, is it the semifinals or the finals? I believe it's the finals. It is, it is the finals. Yeah, it is Final, the finals. Finals main event starts at 8 p.m. on ESPN Plus and ESPN2. Booyah, check you out. So, uh, Kayla Harrison versus Taylor Guardado. And I, 
Kayla's probably going to kill her. But she has to stay focused on what she's doing. And she has to play lip service to the fact she's staying focused on what she's doing. Right? You can't look past the promotion you're in and the person you're going to be fighting. So this is her comment on her decisions and what's behind those decisions. Let's hear it. That's what he does. Like, that's that's his job is to... I'm going to talk about how I'm the greatest of all time, and he's going to talk about how, well, calm down. No, you're not. Like, that's everybody's, that's what, this is a game. This is a business. And the difference is, I really am going to be the greatest of all time. So he's going to see. Sure. Um, what do you think happened? Now, I love how, how Bellator so far isn't, hasn't been on anybody's lips or, or really in the conversation. Bellator has Cyborg. And they have essentially a similar problem to the one the UFC has with Amanda Nunes, which is you have arguably, and both sides can argue, they have the greatest female fighter of all time, Cyborg and Amanda Nunes. You can, you can make arguments for either one. And they have no one to fight. The one thing about Nunes is she can go down to 35, where I, I don't know if there's much more talent, at least as a freaking top 10. At least there's something where you can make a contender out of that. You can't do it at 145. Cannot do it at all. So when I look at it here, and I I, I, I think about it, Bellator and the UFC are in the same position. They have a champion that no one on their roster can beat, that no one on their roster, in the weight class, by the way, can make look human. Period. Cyborg will beat the piss out of everybody in Bellator until Father Time catches up with her. Amanda Nunes, I believe the same thing's going to happen unless they meet again at 35, her and Shevchenko. And Shevchenko's made her look human, but Shevchenko isn't a 45-pounder. And I agree with you 100%, KOB. Once Amanda Nunes loses or... I don't want to say is stripped or she drops the title at 145 even without losing, they get rid of that division. This whole Norma Dumont versus Holly Holm and some kind of uh, interim title at 45, UFC is never going to do that. That title was created for Amanda Nunes. That's all it means is that it's a showcase for Amanda Nunes. Once it doesn't involve Amanda Nunes, they're, they're moving past it. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.